Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Alive. Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house, the dads-to-be, the grandfathers, the father figures. You guys doing good this morning? Today we honor, we celebrate you, we, we take some time to just say, man, you guys carry a lot and uh, you mean so much to your families, whether you realize it yet or not. And uh, man, we're, we're just happy to have some time today to celebrate that. And we also realize that holidays like this, there's mixed emotions. We, we get that. Uh, maybe, maybe you're here and you're, you're grieving the loss of a father, a father who's no longer here. Or maybe the father has not been in your life like you wished he would have or whatnot. Just know that we as a church family, we do this, we go through life together. And so we grieve with you. We, we pray for you. We believe that the Holy Spirit can come around you even this morning and comfort you and lift your eyes to your heavenly father who meets every need. Amen. But uh, today, uh, I want to give a couple quick shout-outs just because they're here today. I want to give a couple of dad shout-outs. And, and the first one is this, my dad, Gary Giso. Dad, would you just wave your hand for real quick? Thank you so much for everything you poured into my life. I would not be the man I am without you, without your encouragement, your coaching, your wisdom. And I'm so happy to have you as my dad. I also want to give another shout-out to Bill, uh, my father-in-love. Not father-in-law because it's not like that. It's, it's father-in-love. It's a good relationship. Thank you so much for everything you poured into my life. But more importantly, thank you for the dad you were to my beautiful bride and everything you poured into her and showed her. Uh, I, am, I am blessed because of that. And so thank you guys. And let's give it up for all the dads in the room or if you're online as well today. Uh, and quickly, I just want to show some dads some love today, all right? Because, uh, and one way that speaks love to a dad is a Home Depot gift card, all right? So, um, so I got two of these here that I want to give away this morning, and I just need some participation. And so uh, I want to figure out the dad with the most kids in the room, all right? So we're going to do this by show of hands, and then they're going to start going down, all right? So if you have at least one kid, raise your hand high, dads, all right? Let me see you. Okay, we got a lot of one kid dads. That's awesome. One is enough sometimes. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, if you got two kids, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Two kids. Woo! Three kids. Three kids. All right, starting to go down. All right. Four kids. Four kids. All right. Do we got five? Do I have five kids? Five kids. All right. Six kids, six kids, seven kids. All right, so six kids, hands up, back up, two up. We got two with six, my man. Sorry about this, but who, who's older? Who's older? He is, right? Yep. All right, hey, ushers, can you, Scott, yep, you've, you've been doing six kids longer, so you get the gift card, all right? So no, no offense there, all right? All right, I got another one here. Who is the newest dad, all right? So I think I already know where this one's going. Uh, but if you've had a kid in the last week, raise your hand. All right. Give it up for the Currys. Brecken in the house. Let's go. Colin, that's for you, bud. All right? You're probably going to have to fix a crib or something like that. So you're going to need that. Praise God. Good to see you guys. All right, well, hey, this morning uh, we're having some fun, but we're also getting in God's Word because we do that every single Sunday, and uh, we are continuing our summer series that we're doing all month of June and July here, but we're, like Erica said, we're going to have a little Father's Day spin on today's message. Um, we're taking the whole summer uh, to kind of walk through our different cultural values here at Alive. We have, we have some culture things that define who we are as a church and, and things that we are really passionate about, and so we've already covered two of those the first two weeks of this series. The first one is, was the, uh, the Bible is our truth, right? 
The Bible is our truth. We believe that the word of God is our guiding light for all decisions in life, that we can literally build our life on the word of God and it is our source of truth. And so we looked at week one, how because of that, that the Bible is our truth, we should get in it, we should know it, we should believe it, and we should live it, right? And we've been trying to get in the Word. We've been doing this Bible, summer Bible reading plan. If you guys aren't down with that yet, we, we have a Bible reading plan. We're reading one chapter a day each day uh, of, of um, the summer here to get us all the way to, up to August. We're going to read about 25% of the New Testament together. Uh, we were in John chapter 14 this morning, so you can jump right in with us and continue. But we talked about how, man, it's so good to not only hear God's Word, see God's Word, but to experience God's Word. And one of the great ways we can do that is by bringing our Bibles to church. And so if you brought your Bible, your physical Bible to church, let me just see you. Wave it. Wave it nice and high. And the ushers do have a treat for you this morning. All right. So we said we may or may not do this, but hey, we're doing this. All right. So we've got Laffy Taffy's and I like Laffy Taffy's because they got what I call dad jokes on there. You know what I'm talking about? Dad jokes. They're just corny as all get out. So you, you can eat this while I preach. I will not be offended. All right. Um, and if you need a little sugar bud. So thank you guys. The, the word of God is beautiful. It's awesome. It's holy. It's powerful. And uh, thank you guys for bringing your word. We're going to get into it in a second. Uh, last week, Erica talked about our second cultural value, which is faith is our response. We, we believe that faith pleases God. And that it is the currency of the kingdom of God. And so, therefore, our faith is our response. It's our action to God's word. And we are just kind of encouraged and challenged to apply our faith in some specific area or areas of our life. And so, we believe that God is a man of his word. He should not lie. And he comes through when we put his word to the test. And so, we love, we love believing God and faith here at Alive. But today, we're going to continue on. We're going to look at another one of our values here at Alive. And it's this one. We have a value that says, work hard and rest well. Work hard and rest well. Let me talk about that real quickly in just the terms of what we mean by that here at Alive. We we believe that we celebrate and we endeavor to celebrate healthy rhythms that cultivate a healthy spirit, soul, and body. Healthy rhythms for the long haul to finish our race with endurance. And so we endeavor, again, these aren't things that we're fully owning, but we're we're on our way there. I think it it takes culture and vision to know where we're heading. We believe that, man, God desires for us to both work hard and to rest well. And they have a culture of that. And that comes from the top down. And so that comes from Eric and I's lives as leadership, our lives staff. Praise God for the staff who works their tails off week in and week out. But we believe it's healthy that our staff is not at church 24-7. Amen? That we have healthy rhythms with their family. Mondays, our office is closed. If you've ever tried to come here on a Monday, no one's here. It's a ghost town. We rest in, all right? We go hard. Sunday's a work day for most of us on staff. And so we give that off to our staff. Uh, Our alive team, the faithful men and women that are serving this morning in every single area of ministry. When they hear they work hard, they give it all to the Lord. But we also like to incorporate special rhythms of uh, you're on and you're off. You don't have to serve every single Sunday and that there's some rhythms here so that you don't burn out. And then obviously we're we're praying that that would creep into our everyday lives as a a congregation. That we would work hard at our God-given assignments, at the jobs, at the vocations that he's given us. The assignments before us with our families. But we'd also have healthy rhythms of rest and refreshing, that we would understand that it's important to do both work hard and rest well. Because here's what I know. If we only work hard and we don't take time to rest well, then we cannot finish well. And I see so many people burning out in families, burning out in ministry, burning out in life because they go, 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 go. And this culture is not, not very forgiving. 
It's actually pushing more and more and more on us. And if we're not careful to have these rhythms that God has intended for us to set up, we will fall flat on our face. We will burn out. We will bust out. And we need to be healthy for the long haul. Amen. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So our life is an endurance race. I don't know if you guys have realized this. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Now, you, you have a different kind of cadence and pattern of training for sprints that you do for a long distance or a long amount of time, right? We're called to run our race with endurance. We're called to go for the long haul, not short spurts, right? And so there's, there's this culture that we live in, though, however, that celebrates this work, 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 work hard, but not rest well. Right? I mean, if you be honest, if you just be practical for a second, a lot of times when you ask somebody how they're doing, besides the, the, the can response, good, most of the time, most people's response these days are, what? I'm busy. How, how, how you doing? How, how you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Like, like it's a, like a good thing. Like, like the world has, has made busy the brag for importance, for significance, for look at me, I'm doing something with my life. I'm busy, right? Uh, but, but you never hear, oh, I'm well rested. <laughs> hey, how you doing, man? I'm so well rested. I took two days off this week. I got nine hours of sleep every day. Like, I'm good. I did some of my hobbies. I did what I wanted. I had some me time. You never hear, I'm well rested. Ever. Very, very ever. And I think God's like, hey, I think he's trying to get our attention because on Mother's Day we talked about some of this and we're talking about it again on Father's Day because I think he's trying to get it to us that, man, there's an important cadence to creation. And there's a part and there's a time and there's a season to work hard. But if we only work hard and we do not rest well, this will not go well for us, right? And so we're, we're committed here at Alive to being a culture that learns how to do this. And we're taking this journey together with you guys. This fall, we're really excited to get into some more emotional health and how can we be healthy, spirit, soul, and body and how does God desires for some different rhythms in our life. We're going to dive deeper into that. But, but on Father's Day, in light of this culture code of work hard, and rest well. I want to, I, I believe God still wants that to be the word that he, he has us all leave with today, that we could work hard and rest well. And so we're going to look at some of these things and, and we're not going to talk about the stereotypes. All right. When I mean work hard, we're not talking about staying later at the office or working on your day off. All right. We're not talking about rest well. Uh, this isn't just talking about the grizzly bear snore on the nap after lunch today. Fellas, if that's for you in your future, praise God, you take it. It's your day. All right. You may not get another one for a while. We're not talking about that. What I'm talking about is how to work hard in some areas of our life. I believe what God wants to encourage us and how to rest well and trust him in some areas. And so today we'll be encouraged. And this is just not just for the dads. This is for everybody. So I believe we all can leave encouraged and built up in our faith. Will you join me as we, uh, in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from God's word this morning? Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we just thank you for your presence here. You are the best, greatest, amazing Father there ever was and ever will be. And so, Father, we look to you. We put our hope and our faith and our trust in you this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask you to just speak, customize today's message to all the dads, but also for those of us that are here that are not fathers. Holy Spirit, I believe you're, you're, you're amazing enough to customize what we're talking about and give us a word and season for our own lives. And so, Father, we want to lean into that today. We pray that we take a step closer to you. We're encouraged, we're challenged, and we're ready to go out to be who all you've called us to be today. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said. Amen. Awesome. So uh, for the remainder of our time, we're going to camp out in two main areas, the, the work hard, 
and the rest well. I've got three little uh, nuggets uh, that I want to talk about under work hard, and I've got three nuggets that I want to talk about as far as rest well. And so you guys ready for the first one? When we talk about working hard, dads, fathers, spiritual figures, working hard, work hard to number one, follow Jesus. I just wanted to, I got to start with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Amen. And so, yes, we work hard at our jobs. That's honorable. We work hard to provide a a living for our families. That is honorable. But the thing that I think our generation is missing more and more and more is this first one right here. If we don't work hard to follow Jesus, we don't have anything to give the next generation. Work hard to show your kids how to follow Jesus. What I've been learning and what I've been seeing, and again, I'm still young in my fatherhood and I've got a long way to go, but what I, what I know that I know that I know according to the word of God is this. The best thing you can give your kids isn't a large inheritance. The best thing you can give your kids isn't everything they ask you for. The best thing you can give your kids isn't a bunch of material possessions. The best thing I believe that the word of God preaches and shows us that we can leave a legacy for our kids is what a heartfelt, passionate, authentic, real relationship with Jesus looks like. Because that will be there when father and dad is no longer there. When, 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 when those people that they admire, the heroes in their life are no longer there, God, Jesus, and his word will remain, right? We talked about that in week one. And so a personal relationship with Jesus is so important. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says this, The righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. If we want to bless our kids, dads, we got to show them what Jesus and a relationship with Jesus looks like, right? And here's the cool thing. When we have a personal relationship with Jesus, we have something of true value to give them because there's no amount of money that will satisfy There's no amount of inheritance that will satisfy. There's no amount of worldly possessions that will satisfy. There's no amount of stuff that will ever satisfy our kids. But Jesus is the satisfier of our souls, amen? And when we can give Jesus to our kids in the next generation, that will set them up for so much success and help them in every season of life, both the seasons we're there with them and the seasons where we're not with them or reunited with them someday. And then if we have that, we can do what Paul said. I love what Paul says to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, hey, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He says, basically, hey, follow me as I try to follow Jesus, right? Fathers, our attitude, could we set this up for our kids? Hey, I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. There's no perfect dad. There's no perfect person. But hey, kids, follow me as I endeavor to follow Jesus. I believe, that, I believe that's an honorable calling for all of us in the room, fathers and non-fathers, parents, siblings, anybody that has influence in anybody's life. Let's follow Jesus and let's ask the next generation to follow us. And so practically, how does that work? A lot of the things we've been talking about the first couple weeks of this uh, series Reading our Bible and, and reading the Word, letting the Word read us and, and making changes, praying, worshiping, right? Letting our kids see those things in our lives, uh, apologizing when we miss it, calling what's bad, bad, calling what's good, good, right? Seeing those things in culture and, and also coming to church, right? I'm preaching to the choir this morning. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but valuing and putting a priority on getting to God's house. These are all ways that, again, we can work hard to follow Jesus. The second thing I believe that God wants to encourage us this morning to work hard in is number two, to teach your kids, to teach or to train your kids. Proverbs 22 verse six says this, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Man, what an honor and what a privilege 
And what a high call it is to be a parent, amen? We, we get a, a, a limited amount of years where like we're that source for that child, right? We're the, we're the source of truth. We're the source of direction, of guidance, of wisdom before they fly the nest and kind of go do their own thing. A short little window. And God calls us, dads, God calls us parents to train our children up and show them the way to go. And we have so much opportunity in this. We can teach them God's word, right? We can tell them what God's word says. We can teach them how to treat other people, what honor and respect looks like to, to give somebody else, right? We can show them how to manage money and be a good steward of the resources that God brings into your life. We can show them the value of hard work and the value of working hard to earn a dollar. We can, we can show them what humility looks like and what humility doesn't look like, amen, right? We've all been there, right? We can show them that honesty is really the best policy. We can show them what self-control looks like, what purity is, right? How to respond when things don't go our way. Hello. We have so much opportunity to pour into them, and we have the honor and privilege to train up our kids in the way that they should go. And here's what uh, I just want to encourage us with. Because it's such a short window of time, and because there, there's so much importance in this season of child-rearing, let us not delegate these responsibilities of training and teaching up to the world. Let's not delegate this to culture. Let's not delegate this to social media. Let's not delegate this to the politics of this world in this time. There's too much riding on the line to let it just let the chips fall where they may and whatever our kids do, they ever do. No, God has put you in their life for a reason. He's called you dad. He's called you mom. He's called you guardian. And he's given, he'll equip you. We're going to talk about that in a second. He'll equip you to do that. But man, it's our job. It's our responsibility to train that child up in the way that he or she should go. And so practically, how do we do this? I just want to encourage you. Have conversations with your kids. Not just exchange of information, but conversations. I think the best way to do this is on the fly. Coach and train on the fly of life. When things are going bad, we talk about them. Right? I mean, our kids are so curious and, and they ask questions and you don't want to be like, hey, don't ask me later. Like, do it in the fly, right? Okay, you just swipe that. Was that a credit card or debit card? How do credit cards work? Eli was asking us the other day, how does a credit card work and what, what does that look like? Okay, and we're explaining these things and how, yeah, some people do it this way and God's word says to do it this way. And here's what all this, right? On the fly. Wait, that, why is that person all upset about that or whatever? We're just having constant conversations because they're training conversations that are molding and pointing and shaping these children in the way that they should go, right? Let them ask questions and, and, and take the time to respond and answer that question to them and point them in the right direction. And remember, don't just give our kids the world's perspective, but make sure we give them the biblical God's perspective on things, especially some of the hot topics and culture that are going around right now. I think it's important that the next generation hears it from mom, hears it from dad of what the word of God and the biblical perspective says. Amen. Our words carry weight. Amen. So that's number two. We get to train or teach our kids. Let's work hard in that area of our life. And number three, I love this one. Number three, third area to work hard in is number three, model the right priorities. Hello. Y'all still out there? Let's model, let's be an example to this next generation, right? Titus 2, 7 through 8 says, In everything, set them a good example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. You see, this morning, one of the ways that we can model priorities is even what some of you guys are doing today. Man, Father's Day is a great day to miss. 
Because it's just like, well, we'll go do this or we'll camp. And I think many of us are, some, some of our church are doing that. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's no condemnation on that. Praise God for those times and those moments to get away and, and rest as a family. But man, the importance of attending church regularly, I believe something is being attacked so much in our culture. The, especially with COVID and everybody going online and getting out of the rhythm of that, the enemy has jumped on that to try to drift us away from God's best for us. Not his commandment, not his, like, you got to do this. God's not a harsh taskmaster. He's a loving father, he, and he only wants what's good for his kids, amen? But, but what, what, what's been happening is eroding of the truth of God's word, which we see in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. In that passage of Scripture, we're exhorted and we're encouraged and we're challenged to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much as more as the day is approaching. To make church attendance, regular church attendance, a priority is a great priority to set for the next generation. Because if we don't set it, guess what? They're not going to catch it and automatically flip-flop. They watch what dad does. They watch what mom does. They watch what the key leaders in their life are doing, and they mimic that. I've always been told in ministry that, that your students, your kids, your congregation will live the unedited version of your life. So they'll, they'll take it further than you want them to take it because they're just going to see that standard, right? And so it's important for us to value this and, and just realize this. This challenges me. Like Easter, Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and a few other Sundays sprinkled in and there isn't really making church a priority. It's making it a convenient accessory in our life. And so, man, this is important. We've got to fight for this. And the other thing I always get challenged on, especially myself, and you're like, the pastor deals with this? Our attitude about going to church is just as important as actually physically being in the seats. Come on now, right? David said in Psalm 122 verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. But have you ever been there, dads? Have you ever been there, fellas? Have you ever been there, somebody? You were not glad to go to church. No, no, I want to be on the golf course right now. I want to be sleeping in my bed right now, but wifey wouldn't be happy if I didn't come to church today, so we're going. We drove by Woodland this morning, overflow seating only for trailers, for the boat launch. Hey, that's awesome. It's a great morning. It is a per I mean, I saw bass boat. I'm sure they're slaying them right there. They're getting them. Like, it's a beautiful morning. No condemnation. But sometimes we're like, I'm here, but are you glad that you're here? Are you glad that you came to God's house? Are you glad that you get to get in the power and the presence of God Almighty, that you get to experience his good, eternal, holy word, that, that his power can literally work in your lives and your kids get to come? You know who suffers the most when we don't come to church? Our kids. The next generation. How are they going to learn about God if they can't get to God's house? A couple YouTube videos ain't going to fix it. They really don't. They, they need to see regular rhythms. So again, I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but hey, if you're watching this later online, how much is church attendance a priority in your life? Because that's where you hear the teaching of God's word. That's where your whole family can be ministered from the birth all the way through the whatever generation you find yourself in can be ministered to, and God can show up in, our, in, our, in your lives. And so we got to settle it. Is that better than being somewhere else? Because the psalmist said, uh, uh, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of fun things I feel like I could be doing right now, but there's no better place than I'd rather be than in God's house on Father's Day worshiping the Father. Amen? And so, man, we got to settle that, and we got to push back on culture. Can I talk about sports for just a second? Uh-oh. 
Oh, shoot. Someone said no. Yeah, it's like, let's, all right, next point. <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm a sports guy. I love sports. My kids love activity sports. The two boys actually, Ella, you're playing volleyball. You're doing, you're, you do your dance, all that stuff. I consider that an activity, all right? We love them. We're all about them. But this constant push for more and more and more at a younger and younger, younger age is not healthy. Can I just say that here? That, that's, just, that's just plain truth. Trying to get travel going at age three, age four, and most of travel sports culture is on Sundays. Creeping into the day where a family unit should be able to not have much commitment to worship God, to Sabbath, to rest, to get ready for the week ahead. Now we're creeping in and taking that and putting pressure, social pressure, that if you don't do this, if you don't play for them, if you don't have that experience, you'll never get here. And the thing that always hits me between my eyes, maybe you've seen this or heard this, is this statistic right here. There is a .0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. Yet there is a 100% chance that your child will stand before Jesus one day. That's a really sobering thought. Sports are fun. They build character. I love what God can do through a sports team. And our kids will play sports. But our challenge as parents, especially as dads, who often are the ones who sign them up for it or get excited about it, right, is how are we preparing them for the one day that they'll be face-to-face with Jesus? And has that been a priority in our lives? Amen? This is, there's no condemnation to this. This is just a straight-up, I'm preaching to myself. This is a challenge. What are we putting as priority in their lives? Because here's what has happened over the years. Everything has been pushed into Sunday. Back in the day, Nothing was open on Sunday. You got church, a couple of restaurants, everybody closed up shop. You go be with your family. Now everything is on Sundays. There's always another thing to do, another event to attend, another sport to play, another activity to go to. And it's eroding the, the, the family. And the, the reason why this is dangerous is because if we're not careful, we can inadvertently teach our kids in the next generation that sports is more important than God. That sports is more important than getting together with believers and encouraging one another. That sports is what really matters and gives you value in life, not who God says you are. And that is a very dangerous slide, amen? And I believe we need to take intentionality. It's hard to do this, though, especially if you've got kids that want to play sports, right? And this has been hard. We're walking through this right now. We are in the midst of a dilemma right now. Obviously, we're pastors, so that changes things a little bit. We're busy on Sunday, But even if we weren't, man, we wanted to get to God's house over being in a gym. And so here's the deal. you got to be intentional about this stuff. Our kids right now do not do stuff on Sunday mornings. And it's it's taken some sacrifice. Ezra did not play the flag football that everybody plays with the MNFL jerseys. Why? Because it's on Sunday. But we did find flag on Friday nights. And so we did that, right? And he's playing football this Saturday. Eli did not do travel basketball with all of his buddies because it's on Sundays. But I believe if we train a child up in the way they should go, and if they're good enough, their gift will make a way for them. Amen? If they don't play on Sundays, they play on Saturdays, or they play at school, God can still use that and do amazing things through that. Amen? He ain't missing out. Because at the end of the day, we stand before one person. His name is Jesus. He's asked, what did you do with the life that I gave you? How many, he, doesn't, he never asks us how many points we scored or how many MVP trophies we got. 
And that's, that's a sobering thought, right? And so again, it's taking, I mean, shoot, I'm preaching right now. Where I'm, I'm helping coach uh, the kids' summer basketball for Ezra. Their summer basketball team starts this week. Their first meet and greet and practice is, is guess when? Right now. <laughs> On Father's Day. I'm like, who's running this league? <laughs> Obviously, they don't have kids. The first practice is happening right now. Guess where our kids are? In church. <laughs> we'll see you at the game. But, uh, well, you don't practice, you don't play. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Not on Father's Day. What kind of message is that sending, right? So again, I get a little heated and passionate about this, but uh, it, it takes faith and trust. It takes faith and trust to honor God above culture. But I believe if we don't push back, if we don't fight this, if we don't have coaches stepping and say, I'll, teach a, I'll coach a travel league that, pre, that plays on Friday nights and Saturdays, but they're off on Sundays, I'm sure it's possible. I'm pretty sure it's possible, right? And I'm, I'm determined to figure that out myself and figure out how we can both be in church and honor God and glorify God out on the field or in the court. Amen? And we need to figure that out. And so, uh, But the world's culture does not apologize for this. And, and it just pushes and pushes. But I think we need to be like Joshua a father of a generation of people of faith. What he said in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, amen? amen. That we have this tenacity about us, hey, no matter what it takes, we are gonna serve the Lord, right? And there's so many other ways we can model the right decisions, not just a church attendance and sports and all that stuff, man. You can model so much, how you treat your spouse, right? Um, what you do with your money, how you value screen time and media, dads, and what that teaches your kids, they're watching. How many of you guys know they are watching and they are listening, whether you want them to or not? They are. And so we can model the right things that we want to see in their lives. Again, no one's going to be perfect. There's no perfect dad. There's no perfect kid. But man, we can surely do our best to honor God in the midst of this and point them in the right direction. So there's are three things that we can work hard at. Amen? I think we can do that. Amen? We can work hard to, to uh, you know, obviously follow Jesus. We can work hard to train and teach our kids and we can work hard to model the right priorities. Let's talk about resting well because this one doesn't get enough airtime. Men naturally love to work hard. Remember what we talked about in the beginning? God created Adam and he said, get to work. Like it was part of our purpose, right? We love work. We love putzing in the yard. We love fixing things. We love constantly doing it. If we don't have anything to say, sit down and rest, we'll run ourselves into the ground. It's in us. It's innately in us we got to know how to rest well. And so three areas uh, that we can rest well. Number one, you rest well by, number one, I won't talk much on this one, but number one, keeping the Sabbath, which is such a foreign thing to our culture. Uh, Erica talked about it and mentioned it on Mother's Day, but having one, at least one 24-hour period in your week, every week, where you stop laboring, you stop working, and you rest. It doesn't mean you have to take a nap or do nothing. You do stuff that fills your tank. You do stuff that helps you delight and worship God, and you stop doing the normal grind. You stop producing. You stop grinding. You stop pushing the ball forward in those areas of your life, and you just have faith and rest that, man, God will multiply the other six days of business, of referrals, of business stuff, if I honor him in this area. This is so countercultural. Like we talk, we start talking about this and everybody looks at us like we fell out of a tree. Like, but I, I don't have time to have Sabbath. It doesn't fit in my schedule. You have to make it. Remember what Jesus said? He said the Sabbath was made for us. We weren't made for the Sabbath. It's supposed to be a gift. It's supposed to be a blessing for us. And we get this from Genesis chapter two, verses two and three. Remember on the seventh day, God ended his work 
which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had made. So the whole gist of this is, guys, remember, God rested. The creator of the universe, he thought it was important to rest. And so when we say, I don't have time to rest, what we're inadvertently doing is saying, I'm above God. I am a God of my own life, and I call the own shots, and I'm going to buck the cadence of creation that God has set up that will keep us healthy to run our race with endurance for the long haul. Yeah, we can go hard for seven days, 24-7 for a season, but eventually, if we don't Sabbath, we've always talked about the Sabbath will find you. Often health conditions and different things that will actually slow us down so that our body can heal and rest. We don't want to get to that point. We want to be rested and well-rested. I want to ask some of you, how you doing, man? I'm well-rested today. It's rare, but I am. I had a day off yesterday, right? Like, that would be awesome. Cool. Not busy, 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 right? And so what do you do? How do, how do you practically do this with Sabbath, man? Number one, you just, you have to find ways to incorporate it. Maybe you need to start small and say, maybe I can't give a full 24 hours. Like, part of Sabbath is sleeping, like, for seven or eight hours. Like, overnight can count as Sabbath, right? So you don't have to come up with 24 waking hours of doing nothing, you need to come up with about 12 hours of, hey, I'm not going to touch my email. I'm not going to answer my phone. I'm not going to go on social media. So some of the things we do on Sabbath, we unplug. Uh, we, we, it's hard to find us on Sabbath. It's hard to get a hold of us on Sabbath, purposeful, uh, because we need that rest and we need that unplug so that we can be fresh for the other uh, opportunities that we have before us. So practically, man, maybe we need to reevaluate, like, what does your schedule look like and what maybe things need to come off it? to allow a little more margin for you to even think about what Sabbath could look like, right? Or do you need to start saying this two-letter word that sometimes helps us the most, and it's N-O. Every opportunity sounds great. You don't have to do every opportunity, amen? Be set free today. You can say N-O. Sorry, I can't do that. I would love to, but I can't. Because if I do that, then if you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And oftentimes we say yes to another opportunity, which means no to rest. What means no to refill? What means no to family time? What means no to the things that really matter the most to us? We're saying yes to this okay opportunity, and we're saying no to the things that really should be priority in our life. And so we can, we can, I think we can all grow in this area. So I just want to encourage you. Have those conversations. Talk with your spouse. Pray. Ask God, where, where, is this, where would this be the best fit in my schedule? Help me start testing the waters in this. It really will help you out for the long haul. The second way we can rest well, number two, is realize that you are not your kid's savior. Amen? You're not their savior. So here's the deal. Don't put that pressure on yourself to be. Jesus is the savior of your kids' lives. You might be a hero in their eyes, and that's honorable, and that's awesome. I love that. But you're not their savior. You cannot affect their eternal destination, and ultimately you have to submit yourself to the Lord to help parent that kid. What does it say in Acts 4.12? There is, there is salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation comes through Jesus. And so dads, realize you don't determine where your kids go for eternity, but the actions that you take the priorities that you have, some of these things we talked about working hard can point them in the right direction, but ultimately it's a relationship with Jesus. And so don't put this huge weight on your shoulder that you could never fulfill. 
Let Jesus lift those burdens from you and partner with him to parent your kids. So that's, that's number two. And number three, I, I really like this one because I want to encourage some of the dads today. Number three, way to rest well is just realize this. God will help you. God will help you. God wants to help you. He wants to help you father and parent your kids. He wants to help you grow and change. He wants to help you rest well, knowing that God is working behind the scenes because when we have faith and trust in God, that even when we're sleeping, God's working, that even when we don't know what to do, God knows what to do, that even when we say that word or pray that prayer and we're not sure how it's going to end up, God knows how to do it. It takes faith and trust to rest in, that there's rest in knowing that God our Father is helping us, that you're not alone, that you have a teammate, you have a partner in crime in this stuff, and that God will help you in your greatest weaknesses. I, I always have to remember, I can't change my kid's heart. Only God can. And so faith in God is the thing. God holds the key to our hearts. And so, man, when we put our faith and trust in God and we just trust him, he can work things out and he'll help us. Fathers, have you ever blown it before? Hello, come on now. We all make mistakes. Even in our greatest weaknesses, God's grace is sufficient for us. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, it says, and he said to me, it said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so guys, when you feel like you're not enough for your family, God's grace is enough. When you feel like you don't know what to do, praise God for the Holy Spirit who does. Amen? When you feel like you failed, God's grace is there to pick you back up and say, keep, keep grinding, keep working, keep lifting your hands, keep praying, keep trying to, to show your kids the way to go because, gosh, they need to see how to do it when you don't do it right too. Amen? You don't have to be Mr. Macho, I'm perfect dad, I got it all together, and uh, I never make mistakes. No, sometimes the greatest lessons we can teach our kids are when we blow it and we say we're sorry and daddy acted in a way that was not consistent to who I believe God has called me to be. Would you forgive me, right? There's power in that. Knowing that God will help you, will help you rest better because you are not alone in this battle. God wants to help you and he know that he's moving and he's working and what Bible, the Bible says in Philippians that what he started, he will continue to work out until, until it's complete. And so know what he's initiating through you is just the beginning for your kids, for your next generation, for those that you're called to minister in love. And if you're here today and you're a dad and you feel like you've been missing it on every angle, you feel like, man, I, I wanna be this dad, but I feel like I haven't been, just know that God is here today. And he's aware of those insecurities. He's aware of the voice of the enemy chirping in your ear right now this whole time. And he says, I love you. And I've called you to be a dad for such a time as this. And yeah, you might not get it perfect, but I love you and I will equip you and I will grace you and I will strengthen you. I've called you to do this. I've given you the blessing and this gift of this child or these children to steward their lives for this season of their life. And so tap into him. Realize that you are forgiven and free by the blood of Christ. Come on, fathers. Some of us have made some horrible decisions, but by the grace of God, Paul said, I am what I am. And so you don't have to stay in that beat down, torn down, fallen down state. You can rise up today on Father's Day 2023 and say, you know what? I'm not going to let the enemy play that old tape over and over again because that is 
busted and disgusted. And that only leads me to depression. That only leads me to failure. That only leads me to a sad state of my heart. But today I'm going to rise up and take my place in who God has called me to be. And I'm going to let him help me father my kids. Amen. We can do it all things. The Bible says all things through Christ who strengthens us. So when we find our strength and our hope and our joy in him today, fathers, and go out and be who God called us to be. And so remember, it's work hard and rest well. We need a balance of both to really get it in the long haul. And it takes faith and it takes trust in God. But I believe as we make little adjustments in our life, in our schedule, in, in our priorities, it would model something very beautiful, very holy that we can pass along to our kids and our next generation that points them in the way they should go. Amen. Would you join me as, we, as I pray over all of us and especially the dads this morning as we receive God's grace and mercy this morning. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Man, we run to the Father this morning. Father, we need your help. We need your grace. We need your strength, Father. I just, I pray specifically for the fathers, the father figures, those that are online watching or later. Father God, that, that are battling just feelings of inadequacy, feelings like they don't have what it takes, feelings like they're a failure and they'll never get their family back. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that your loving arms of the Holy Spirit would wrap around them. Lord, that you would heal the inward parts of their heart right now, correct their misguided perspectives. And Lord God, I thank you that you would encourage them and empower them by the strength of your spirit to rise above the lies of the enemy and become and launch into fatherhood in a whole new realm. Father God, I thank you for the grace that is sufficient for us. I thank you, Lord, for what fathers mean to their families. Dad, you are so important. You are so needed. And you are so loved by the Father in heaven. No matter what you've done or haven't done, doesn't disqualify you from the love of God. And so, Father, we receive your love this morning in a powerful way. Oh, rush over us and fill us, consume us, Father. Lord, help us model what a relationship with you looks like. Help us train up or teach our kids. Lord, help us realign our priorities so that the proper priorities can be presented to this next generation, Father God, and modeled as an example. Father, help us rest well knowing that you have called us to rest. Father, help us to know and understand that, Father, we need your help. We need your help. We're not our kid's savior, but you are. And so, Father, we thank you that you sent your one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We receive that full and abundant life today. And Father God, I pray that we're, we're gonna step up and we're gonna step out in some new ways. Father God, raising up to the bar of faith and trust in you, Father God, that you can literally work miracles through dads and families, Lord God, setting hearts unto you, Father, and pointing kids in the right direction, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you that we cannot do it without you, but we can do all things through you, Lord Jesus, who gives us strength. So we receive your strength right now and we live in light of that grace. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed said, amen. So be it.